fellow patriots. You're listening to Talk on the Street with Laura Marie. In our last show, we covered the comparisons with Abraham Lincoln being removed from ballots during the election of 1860 by Democrats and how the election of this year, they're doing the same thing to Donald J. Trump. The election of 1860 might have been the most pivotal in American history. Abraham Lincoln was the candidate of the six-year-old Republican Party. He ran on a platform of keeping slavery completely out of the new territories, while the Southern Democrats, who wanted slavery extended, regardless of the residents' desires, and nominated Vice President John Breckinridge of Kentucky. The dominant Democrat Party split into two factions over the slavery extension issue. And then we had the Northern Democrats who felt the residents of the territories themselves should decide. And they nominated Illinois Senator Stephen Douglas, who was Lincoln's longtime rival. And there was a fourth candidate, John Bell, who ran as a compromise candidate under the Keep the Union Together at All Costs, which was a banner of the Constitutional Union Party. History shows that the campaign was heated. Lincoln and the Republicans were not even on the ballot in the states of the Deep South. Although Lincoln only won 40% of the popular vote, the split in the Democrat Party enabled him to secure a comfortable majority in the Electoral College. So the comparisons of Abraham Lincoln and Donald J. Trump is the removal of their names on the ballot, and the differences are the amount of candidates they're actually running. Though Robert Kennedy Jr. is running, is his name going to be on the ballot? One never knows. He's been silenced by the media and the Democrats. Or what about Joe Manchin? He was talking about running as a Democrat or even an independent. Talk on the street is several states that are talking about banning Trump from the ballot have already removed all other Democrat candidates that would be running against Joe Biden. So only he will appear on the ballot. And this is the party of democracy? Yeah, I don't think so. And what about the Secretary of State? State from Colorado. She said they're going to put Trump on the ballot. And depending on what the Supreme Court decides, she might not even count votes for Trump. I tell you, liberalism is a mental disorder. So how many of you were tortured watching (laughs) Joe Biden's election speech on January 6th? He's calling himself the great savior of democracy. And he's back fresh off his Caribbean vacation, did his speech and went back on vacation again. So while Biden was out in Valley Forge to kick off his first major campaign speech of the year, it looks like the big guy is all out of big ideas. Instead of talking about his policies or how he'll make our lives better, Biden bashed us, mega supporters, you know, make America great again. And the day of January 6th, Biden repeatedly mentioned George Washington while fashioning himself as a defender of dictatorship. What? Check this out. Donald Trump's campaign is about him, not America, not you. Donald Trump's campaign is obsessed with the past, not the future. He's willing to sacrifice our democracy, put himself in power. And yet Trump and his MAGA supporters not only embrace political violence, but they laugh about it. So hear me clearly. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy. This is like something out of a fairy tale. Bad fairy tale. No kidding. Joe Biden is out of a very bad fairy tale. And isn't it funny how he keeps talking about the past? 
yet he's talking about January 6th, that was three years ago. And then he was talking about there's no violence. They accept no violence. And Kamala Harris paid for violent Antifa to get out of jail. Antifa killed people, destroyed federal property. Look at Portland, Oregon, just as an example. The summer of love, they called it, remember? <laughs> They're the party of violence. 99% of all mass shootings are Democrats. The last six were trans. I'm not against trans, but just don't push it down our throats and definitely don't teach it to our children. I'm sure most of you agree. And here was another <laughs> absolutely ridiculous lie by Joe Biden about Donald J. Trump. He went on to say he'd be a dictator on day one. What Joe Biden is not telling you <laughs> is that President Trump said on day one he would be like a dictator for one day and sign executive orders for us to become energy independent again and to shut down our borders. Another classic Joe Biden talking about President Trump would ruin our democracy isn't taking somebody off the ballot ruining our democracy. <laughs> Joe Biden wants to be a dictator. Actually, he just wants to go on vacation so Obama can be the dictator. Do you remember how Obama said that the world wants him to be their leader? Do you remember that? And he went to the UN to be in charge of them. And Soros told him, not yet. Do you guys remember that? I sure do. During Biden's speech, he also claimed that you better vote for him or it's the end of democracy. I make this sacred pledge to you. The defense, protection, and preservation American democracy will remain as it has been the central cause of my presidency. Democracy is on the ballot. Your freedom is on the ballot. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal. And I promise you, I will not let Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans force us to walk away. Can you believe the nerve of that guy? Using the Sal Alinsky method right out of the Nazi playbook. We've talked about it on quite a few shows where you blame others for what you do. And that is exactly what the Democrats have been doing for decades. They're the racists. They're anti-American. They're the ones that are full of hate. They're the ones who are trying to take away our freedoms. They are evil, white supremacist Nazis. Also in Joe Biden's speech, <laughs> he was stirring up fear that your next door neighbor could be a mega extremist. Ooh. The media just got busted for perpetrating an extremism hoax. You may remember how Democrat and the liberal press recklessly hyped the narrative that dangerous right-wing radicals have infiltrated our American military. <laughs> well, Joe Biden's own Department of Defense looked into the allegations and they found no evidence of the U.S. military is packed with violent extremists. None. From the far-right group, anyway. And what is far-right? A person who loves their country, loves our freedoms, America first, lower taxes, have more control over our own money, energy independent, close our borders, allow people to come here legally, follow the law, love our Constitution. So I guess I'm a far-right extremist because I sure do. I actually just declare myself like you, 
a fed up American, tired of the corruption in Washington and sick of the Democrats cheating and lying in this one world order. We are all about God and country. And I will not, like you, will not apologize for that ever. In fact, this is what we say. Chanting USA whenever anyone is around Donald J. Trump (laughs) instead of what they always chant around Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. So here's a little bit of what Trump had to say. Violent criminals are running wild in our Democrat-run cities while law enforcement has been weaponized against Christians and conservatives and people of faith like never before. We've never seen anything like this before. You know, this guy goes around and says, I'm a threat to democracy. No, he's a threat because he's incompetent. He's a threat to democracy. You know, you can be grossly incompetent and be a threat to democracy because he's got us into wars. We're in wars now. You look at the Middle East, look at what happened in Ukraine. That would have never happened. These things would have never happened. Inflation would have never happened. Attack on Israel would never happen. The attack on Ukraine would never have. All these things would never have happened. Millions of people would be alive right now. Millions. Trump has been right about everything. And you know what we say? It's a sad day in America when an American president, Donald J. Trump, has to fight the regime, the American government, to protect all of us, the American people. We all know January 6th was a setup, and it's more believable after the FBI set up that phony kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer. Remember that? That whole layout of that phony kidnapping was quite similar to the layout for January 6th. And with that, we're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to talk more about January 6th. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Welcome back, fellow patriots. Matthew Graves was appointed by Joe Biden to take charge as the attorney of the District of Columbia, which arguably is the most powerful attorney's office in the country. He took over this office in November of 2021. He then proceeded to accelerate the criminal prosecution of January Sixers. The week after he took office, he went after Steve Bannon. Remember that? Matthew Graves made his first indictment against Steve Bannon. After that, Matthew Graves accelerated the prosecution criminal, wide-ranging, unprecedented criminal prosecution of January 6th. He's also the one who started bringing sedacious conspiracy indictments against the members of the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. So they say that's what he was sort of tasked to do. He continues to round up He told the Washington Post he plans to charge at least 2,000 individuals for their involvement in January 6th. What Matthew Graves did so egregiously on January 4th of this week, the same day that Joe Biden released his campaign ad that talks about show clips of January 6th and how he's running for president to stop the reelection and his interpretation of extremism. (laughs) 
Matthew Graves spent one hour in front of a handful of reporters in Washington, a selected group of reporters, by the way, going through events of January 6th, once again, reiterating what we already know from the January 6th Select Committee, talking about how this was a plan to thwart the peaceful transfer of power, regurgitating the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys cases. What we know this resulted in is an example. (laughs) Take note of this, guys. An example of jury tampering And what I mean by this is 60 days from the time Matthew Graves put out this showcase, and I'll play it for you here in a second, what he said, but I can't play for you the clips he showed, but I do have to say one of the clips, (laughs) there's like three of them he showed after his little speech. One of them had Ray Epps in it. I was cracking up. (laughs) This is 60 days from March 4th, the scheduled trial date for Donald Trump on the January 6th matters. This is what Matthew <laughs> Graves said. The government could not conduct business that was required by the Constitution to conduct. Members of Congress and their staff were forced to flee, and those who could not flee had to hide. Officers were assaulted on a scale we have never seen, and many of those officers continue to suffer from the injuries they sustained that day. There was a range of criminal conduct among those who were in the mob. At a high level, though, members of the mob who knowingly trespassed on the Capitol grounds can be divided into two categories, those who used violence and those who rode the coattails of others who used violence, using the access they were provided to commit their own crimes. As with all criminal matters, those charged with a crime are presumed innocent unless and until the government has proven their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. This unprovoked and relentless attack overall has been proven in court again and again, in trial after trial, with evidence like the evidence I've shared with you today. The United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, along with many Department of Justice colleagues and law enforcement partners from around the country, have been working tirelessly to bring to justice individuals responsible for the siege of the Capitol. We have worked closely with law enforcement to review thousands upon thousands of hours of video and an enormous number of digital and social media to determine who committed these crimes and the appropriate charges to bring against each defendant charged. This process is arduous, painstaking, and thorough. It is also done appreciating that while the mission is important, protecting the rights of witnesses, victims, and defendants is paramount. The department's work is not to win at all costs. It is to do justice for all. And relatively few in number, the mob quickly and brutally overwhelmed the dozen or so officers guarding this first fence line. I have to cut off the clips. It's frustrating to know that they select and edit the clips to set up Donald Trump on his March 4th, January 6th involvement trial date. Can you believe the nerve of Matthew Gray? And can you see how it's such a planned setup three years later, just in time to maybe arrest Donald Trump and push the January 6th narrative? Can you see the setup? It's so obvious, the corruption of our government and the weaponization being used towards Donald J. Trump and his Trump supporters that they call the mega extremists. Okay, I must add, they are now saying that the trial date of March 4th is very likely not going to happen. So for Matthew Graves to stand there for an hour 
with this video montage talking points bringing up Donald Trump's name, by the way. This is a brazen politicization of an office that we know is already politicized. Talking about an ongoing investigation, an ongoing prosecution, and threatening that Matthew Graves is going to charge thousands of more people because they were on government public property. I'm getting so tired of this, aren't you guys? I mean, just last week, an anti-Israel, very aggressive, destructive group infiltrated the Capitol in Sacramento in California. <laughs> Nothing happened there. Nothing to see, folks. Just move along. So Matthew Graves, after his show to the reporters, the very next day, he arrested two fellow Patriot Americans from Florida who were present on January 6th. This is not stopping. And this is why it's such a political partisan selective prosecution. I don't know why the Republicans have not shut this down, why they haven't defunded this office or even impeached Matthew Graves. But like all the others, this is why he can get away with performances like he did for an hour in front of the reporters putting on a show. And like you guys are probably thinking, just like me, we wish more would take aggressive steps regarding the January 6th setup. I mean, not only Matthew Graves and what he's doing, but what about the Capitol Police who've been in on it from the beginning? You now have Harry Dunn, who's lied under oath and should be charged with perjury. Dunn is taking paid time off to give victim impact statements during his, these trials and these sentences. He is lying about his involvement of January 6th, not only under oath before the January 6th select fake committee, but also in the sentencing hearings where he goes and tells his phony sob story about what happened so he can make sure that judges over-sentence January 6th defendants based on this Capitol Police officer pretending to cry, pretending he was so traumatized when actually he was the agitator. As we know from reporting that day, it's all on January 6th tapes. They're keeping from us. I'm sure, you know, like you guys know, that all of this will come out one day when the next made-up crisis is underway. Though some of the surveillance videos have no audio, no one with credibility heard one racial slur at Officer Dunn, who claims and tells the American people <laughs> that Trump supporters were yelling at him, calling him racial names. But Harry Dunn, he doesn't care. He's being propped up. He's getting book deals. And he's running for Congress based on all these lies. He's going to be the perfect fit for the Democrat Party and easily swayed and forced to vote the communist Democrat anti-American way, no matter what, if he's elected, just like all the other Democrats and why they stick together. Oh, and let's not forget those wonderful rhinos that Ronna McDaniel has made sure stay in office or new ones get elected. So when you hear the name Harry Dunn, you will know that he is known in Washington as a liar and a drama queen. And if you guys are wondering why no one's talking about this, the reporters who want to talk about it have been blacklisted from Fox and other news outlets since they released 
Tucker Carlson. No one from the right can cover this or explain this like I just did. There are congressmen who are talking behind the scenes, but they can't come forward. Look at Congressman Loudermilk. I do know that his House subcommittee is accelerating and ratcheting up the investigation, not only of the January 6th incident, but also of the January 6th fake fraud committee. So I do believe that it is going to happen. And I do think Kevin McCarthy was part of obviously putting up a wall on moving forward on any of this, including the release of the January 6th video, which Representative Loudermilk is doing. What's interesting, Representative Loudermilk gave an interview last month. He suggested that they have January 6th committee investigators and staffers coming forward to his office to express deep concern about how that committee was organizing and conducted its work. So it would be very interesting to see if we get more revelations from this whistleblowers who said, look what we tried to investigate. Certain areas of this, we were told no. We were told to shut it down. We wanted more evidence, but we couldn't get it because as we know, Liz Cheney made the entire report about Donald J. Trump. Talk on the street is they never interviewed the FBI director, Christopher Wray. There are no transcripts of Director Wray. He was never interviewed, according to the transcripts, though he was mentioned four times. And they also said they never interviewed Washington Field Office Director Stephen Dan Tawano. The FBI has refused to turn over a lot of records, a lot of information. They just refuse to turn it over. I know none of us are shocked. <laughs> it's like their MO these days. But we now know that Stephen Dan Toronto, because he was interviewed by Republicans, he was collecting intelligence. And he was really the guy on the ground who knew about the informants, who knew about the undercover officers from the other agencies who were there. And he was in constant communication with Michael Sherwin, the U.S. attorney for D.C. at the time, who was, by the way, walking around that day in an undercover capacity. And what I mean by that is he was in his street clothes. <laughs> Why is the prosecutor acting like a detective or investigator? They were in constant communication with the January 6th committee, who never interviewed Stephen Dantuano. How much more obvious does it have to be that they intentionally covered up the role of the FBI? The January 6th committee never interviewed the top two FBI officials that were in charge of overseeing what happened on January 6th before and on that day. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to reach me, I would love to hear from you at www.talkonthestreet.net or www.talkthestreet.com or you can just go to my website at Talk on the Street with Laura Marie. Because remember, I am our voice, the people's voice. We, the people. God bless you. God bless America. You're listening to Talk on the Street with Laura Marie.